Blog Talk Radio. It's January 13th, 2019. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living Radio Show, where progressives for change present opinions that matter. We had some feedback there. Sorry about that. Where, prog- where progressives for change present opinions that matter. Tonight we're going to be joined by co-host Jeff Brown. We have a special guest, Pam uh, Gerald, and I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. Please remember that good leadership is never about power and control, but rather for the honor and the privilege of serving the members and the interest of the membership. Having said that, we certainly hoped everyone stayed safe this past week. And it was a busy week, to be sure. We have a lot of announcements. Uh, Let me bring on Jeff, because uh, we're going to need him in just a second. So uh, bring our good friend on here. Okay. Jeff, how are you doing? I'm good, Leroy. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. It's been a busy week. You've seen all kinds of things happen here this week. I was, uh, uh, well, tell me about how your your, your week went in, in your area. Tell the listeners. Um, now here in Flat Rock, it's been kind of quiet. Um, the workers at Flat Rock Assembly received notice that they are going back to a five-day, eight-hour work schedule. Um enlisted people who got uh, job bids to transfer other plants on Wednesday, I believe. Um, some of them are going to uh, Ford Avonia Transmission and Dearborn Truck. Don't know exactly what the numbers are yet, but um, that's what happened in Flat Rock. Other than that, it's been pretty quiet. Uh, we haven't gotten the snow yet like uh, they did in Kansas City yesterday, but uh, that's how it is. It's kind of quiet. I think that snow is going to go south of us. All, what, what yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, so you want to take the first announcement? We'll try and do every other one if you uh, want to do that. Okay, let me get back to them. Okay, let me start Working for a living radio show. Oh. Go ahead. Working for a living radio show continues to support better care for all, for everyone. That seems to be more and more important. Announcement two, Working for a Living Radio Show continues to support, support the end of corporations being considered legal citizens. That's a good one. I like that one. Uh, number three, working for a living, vehemently opposes General Motors' November 26th decision and abolishes them to reverse the ill-conceived decision immediately. Absolutely. They need to stop that. Announcement number four, during our December 16th radio show, I outlined three things that I would have done should I have been uh, elected at convention. Uh, since December 6th, the GM's partnership with the IUAW, the partnership, as we all remember, they're partners, 
uh, remains a little bit unclear, though it seems to be waning. Okay, and uh, it appears that the IUAW is addressing the temporary issue regarding subpay and transfers. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that later in the show as we re recap or re uh, go over the uh, letter from the chairman of uh, 2209 Fort Wayne Assembly. And as requested, see, as requested uh, by many of you, after I said that I would ad address uh, uh, the, the, the uh, notion that treason laws may apply in this issue, um, I wrote up this legislative request for legislative review of the treason laws and penalties as they may affect the corporate citizens. Uh, we'll talk a little more about that. Well. Um, but at least two of those items, for sure, have been addressed. Uh, the notion of temporaries sub and being able to transfer is not completely satisfied, but they're working on it. And the notion about uh, corporations uh, being culpable for treason, uh, potentially, uh, should they uh, have participated in aiding and giving comfort to our enemies. Uh, as we all know, we have some financial enemies. Go ahead, Jeff, with announcement number five. Number five, December 21st, 2018, the Trump government shutdown continues with no end in sight. Uh, this is the longest shutdown in American history, and uh, we'd like to see those federal workers back to work. Um, they're caught in the middle of something very, very stupid. So, right. Uh, what's going on with that one? Okay, announcement number six, related. Uh, on January 11th, USA Today wrote, amid the border wall debate, a third drug tunnel found in less than a month along Arizona border. <laughs> they, they worried about a wall, and they got lots of tunnels. They've been finding tunnels down there for decades. I know, um, I know. Everybody that's down there is talking about high-tech interdiction, you know, where they have um, things on the ground for, you know, sensors and pro mm -hmm. that they talk on them. I mean, they got them at all the high-end homes up in uh, the Traverse City area where all these beautiful homes are. If you walk anywhere close to their property, a, a, a weight sensor, is it, it's just built into the earth or a carpet or something, it just goes off, or, or you know, proximity sensor. And you know that somebody's there, you know, and you can send something out there. You can tell how heavy they are, what size their footprint is, all of the above. You know, and then infrared uh, you know, scanning, uh, you know, once they're triggered. Uh, amazing things that are that can be done. And, you know, we're worried about a wall when they're finding more tunnels. I mean, yeah, they can just, you know walk right on through. Hell, we had tunnels at at uh, both Chevrolet Flint Manufacturing and um, uh, Flint Truck and Bus. It's now Flint Truck Assembly. Uh, I mean, out of Chevrolet down in the hole, we could take a tunnel over to the expressway behind the the school for the deaf. I mean, it, it literally three quarters of a mile away, and and leave. Nobody ever know you were gone. Not, nobody did all of that. I mean, every now and then you'd see somebody walking out of it from the expressway, but it, it was rare. 
I mean, I was maybe twice in, in 15 years or so that I was able to actually see something like that. And it might have been a legitimate, you know, person. But And then in truck and bus, they can they go back and forth. they got the tunnels under there to all of the plants there in that square mile. You know, the, you know, the fab assembly, you know, Flint fab assembly there, uh, metal fab. Uh, they, you know, they got a tunnel from there over to the truck plant underground. And there's regular meetings held down there by groups. It's just amazing. So they're worried about a wall. Let's forget the wall. Let's try and get on to border security, and I think everybody can buy into that. But just not waste all this money. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, go ahead, Jeff. Yeah. The, the uh, fight yeah. over the overpass took place. They had tunnels in the Ford Hancomic plant, um, Highland Park. My grandfather worked and retired from he knew where the tunnels were and used them almost every day to sneak across the street to the liquor store and bring back some booze. And he sold coffee on the line. And then yeah. he come up and say, you know, you make the best coffee in the world and give me money for it. Yeah, yeah. I remember him yeah. telling me that, you know, so. Yeah. Let me, let me take the next numbers. I'll take, I'll take number okay. seven as we, okay. Um, number seven, seven members of the House of Representatives have voted not to pay retroactive pay to workers affected by the shutdown. They are Glenn Grothman, R, that's the R is behind his name, of Wisconsin, Just, Justin Amish, R, of Michigan, Andy Biggs, R, and Paul Gosser, R, of Arizona, Ken Buck, R, of Colorado, Thomas Macy, R of Kentucky and Ted Yo Yohu R of Florida. Um, please reference these examples if you work for a living and think that anyone with an R behind their name is your friend. It's important that you remember what we just said here and what's been written and what they did. So go ahead, Joe. Uh, number eight, January eleventh. 2019, Fort Wayne Assembly Bargain Chair Rick. How do you say that name there, Leroy? Uh, I, uh, Latour. Latour? Okay. Latour. Right. Yeah. Okay. Tourist map. UAW Local 2209, Fort Wayne. Um, we'll talk more about that later in the show. Right. Uh, number nine, on January 8th, after a meeting with GM, Unifor President Jerry Davis fumed. This is about corporate greed. This is about corporate greed. He's, he's just just beside himself. Okay. Number 10, January 9th, 2019, Unifor's members scheduled to work day shift at General Motors Oshawa Assembly Plant in Canada held a 90-minute sit-down protest Wednesday morning around 8 a.m., stopping production according to a union spokesman. Workers resumed production later Wednesday morning. Uh, it seems like uh, when the line goes down, the only way you can get these people's attention, right? Uh, right. Right. You know, time is money, so. Yep. Uh, want to point out that was sanctioned by their international and their local union. Uh, 
And the laws of Canada are much different than they are here. And the sit-down strikes that took place in the plant that I hired in in 1969, those sit-down strikes took place in 19, uh, New Year's Eve in 1936 through February 11, 1937. Those, that strike and the strikes around did also and the other plants around town um, were before we were certified as a union. Uh, so I want everybody to bear in mind that's important. Uh, that uh, those were done to try and get certified as a union, and we were they were successful, and we appreciate everything they did. Um, today we're certified as a union, and uh, and those are done at the local union level, uh, and uh, the international, uh, you know, hasn't sanctioned any strike or sit down uh, at any of the locals uh, at this time, and um, that's, a, that's a decision they have to make, uh, and they, so far they haven't. Uh, we uh, must, uh, in good conscience, tell people, if you uh, attempt to do something on your own in today's environment, it's essentially financial suicide. So, so far, everybody's been real good about it, and I know I, and I'm quite sure Jeff, very proud of the membership during these tough times, and we're putting heat on them, putting a lot of heat on them. You know, this whole thing about the review of treason laws, that's a big deal, folks, but it's not about me, it's about we. We have to get engaged and start sending that stuff in, okay? All right, so... Where were we, Jeff? Uh, number 11, Leroy. Okay. Is that yours? It's yours. Oh, okay. Number 11. I'm sorry. <laughs> Talking about yours. Uh, so the uh, uh, January 10, 2019, UAW Local Union 1112, led by their president, David Green, put on a, a job transition fair at Local 1112. This was well attended, supported by the community, and also a wonderful thing to do for, for all our members. So, and many kudos to Local Union 1112 and their leadership there, especially David Green. Go ahead, Jeff. Uh, number 12, January 10th, 2019, UAW urges boycott of Mexico built Chevy Blazer. Um, we may not like some of our leaders. They are our elected leaders, and we need to remember that corporations are the ones abusing us active and retired auto workers, not the UAW. It's time to realize that support good efforts they are proposing. They um, yeah, are you. Boycott, uh, right. We need to boycott right. That, that vehicle. Right. We have another thing coming up here in a minute. We'll transport. Uh, 13. Uh, on D January 10th, I, and I want to uh, recognize our uh, our guest is in the switchboard and has been since the beginning of the show, and we just have a lot of stuff here. Some of it pertains to you, so uh, we'd like to get that out, but it's going to be a minute because uh, we have 17 of these doggone things plus three or four uh, email. So give us, bear with us, please. We're, you're, you know, we're glad to have you here, but we need to get this out uh, Tonight. So uh, January uh, 13th, uh, 13, 
announcement 13, January 10th, uh, 2019, it was reported that Ford Europe is to cut thousands of jobs as the automaker restructured. So it's happening in Europe, too. January 10, 2019, Hyundai's Jinea, I hope I pronounced that right, plant workers in India protest over alleged delay in pay wage pay. Thank you for our investigative reporter in, the, in India for this news. Yes, we do. We thank him. Good job. Yes. Uh, announcement 15, January 11, 2019. Unifor President Jerry Diaz warned General Motors that he would take his traveling protest show on the road, moving it from General Motors' backyard in Windsor, Ontario, to the automaker's front porch next week at the Detroit Auto Show. And we wish him well on that. Jerry is a very good guy, and he's really supported his members at CAMI when they were out on strike and now that this is going on. So Jerry's a good guy. We like him a lot. Jeff? Yep. Hope to see other people down there too. Uh, January 12th, Detroit Free Press reported that hundreds of pandemic workers are transferring to Flint. Uh, there's also a report that they are leaving their families behind as state workers transfer to Flint. So that's not good. Right. I mean, I I was part of the first group that had to do a lot of driving back and forth. Uh, this happened in 1983. We moved from Flint to Lansing, about a 55, 60 mile drive, depending on who you were and where you lived. And, stuff. and um, it was not fun every day driving that 60 miles back and forth to work. Very dangerous. Six people died in a year's time uh, at ac- in accidents back and forth. So, workers, as you're doing this and driving, can carpool so some of you can get some rest. And two, be very, very, very careful. Okay? Thank you. Uh, last announcement, and then we're going to go on to some other things here, and then we'll bring our guest on. On January 18th, coming up Friday, a candlelight vigil at 4.30 will take place at Hart Plaza in Detroit. This event is sanctioned by the UAW, and you may park at Solidarity House and be bused to it at 4 p.m. and returned to Solidarity House at 6 p.m. Working for a Living encourages everyone to attend this event. This is something we need to make a big show at. Uh, We want to thank all of our investigative reporters, both here in the United States and worldwide, for their uh, contribution to this wonderful research and this report tonight. So um, uh, let's do, uh, Jeff, you want to take the first email? Uh, Very interesting letter with amazing information. Thanks for sharing. Clearly some systematic economic imbalances are harming us. Thank you for sounding the alarm bell and outlining it very well. That's uh Name withheld by request. I'd like to thank him for that email. Yeah, that's in reference to the treason letter. That wasn't clear there, but that's what that was about. Uh, letter to the my congressional, well, not all of them, but mine. Uh, now, uh, email two, I have been saying 
this for years that I consider what corporations have been doing should be considered treasonous. Glad to have somewhat glad to see someone has uh, done due diligence on specifics and has brought uh, info to bear on said corporations. I'm very interested to see if anything comes of this. Names withheld. Okay. Go ahead, Jeff. Number three, Leroy, the letter you wrote requesting a legislative review is more the, about saving the country than it is reviewing, about revealing treason. Name withheld. Right. Four, this is our last email. We had those, that, by the way, there, there were a number of those. We just put in the biggest ones here, but a lot of, a lot of feedback. Uh, uh, this one says, hey, if you up in Michigan don't want to elect Pam Gerald, Send her here to Ohio. We have a place for her. And this came, obviously, from somebody in Ohio. <laughs> so <laughs> thanks to all our email writers for your for your questions and comments, and, and uh, we appreciate that. Um, I'll take uh, the uh, this, this this week's definition from the Urban Dictionary, Corporate Read. And it's a little different than you might see in Merriam-Webster's, but we'll just... Go from well with it. Wasteful spending, hoarding, and hoarding by selfish decision makers in large business. Huge salaries, golden handshakes, bad investment, long vacations, perks, tax evasion, pay attention, corporate America, and embezzling, pay attention. Due, due, uh, due to corporate greed, America is going to hell in a handbasket, end quote. Uh, up next, this week's quotes, uh, I have three. Uh, and they're they're all worth doing, especially this first one, given that his birthday is this month. Um, the labor movement did not diminish the strength of a nation, but enlarged it by raising the standards of millions. Standards of millions, labor miraculously created a market for industry and lifted the whole nation to undreamed of levels of, of production. Those who attack labor forget these simple truths by history. But history remembers them. Martin Luther King Jr., a speech to the AFL-CIO, December 11, 1961. The second quote, also, and these are from the 60s, the early 60s, so pay attention to these folks. Our labor unions are not narrow, self-seeking groups. They have raised wages, shortened hours, and provided supplemental benefits. Through collective bargaining and grievance procedures, they have brought justice and democracy, uh, really, to our shop floor. But that's what he said. John Fitzgerald Kennedy speech, August 30, 1960. The last one, brief one. The only effective answer to organized greed is organized labor. Thomas Donahue in a report to the convention at AFL-CIO Executive Council. Thomas Donahue was once, he's still alive, he's 90, was once president of the uh, National AFL-CIO. So, well, that's enough of that sort of uh, housekeeping to do. And without any further ado, uh, we had her on last week. Uh, she's an amazing woman. She has a resume as long as your arm. Uh, she's a mom, just a, a great person. Um, just about anything good that you can say about somebody, you can say about it. About Pam, please welcome to the show, Pam Earl. 
Welcome, Pam. Well, thank you so much, guys. It's nice to be back with you uh, for another week, and I am a godmother. So I don't have any biological kids of myself, but I am a mom, and I'm a mom to an entire community. Good. That's good. Very good. And, Jeff, I just want you to know that uh, the two of you inspired me so much with that quote that you gave me last week, and you said that great leaders don't create followers. They create other leaders. And, boy, that has really been on my mind. We are going to have to do better with secession in all aspects of life, not just in politics. Oh, yeah. Oh, I agree. Just, I agree. Jeff's got that on his wall. He, he's he's all about it. And he's, you know, we, we do it every week here. We try to educate people, make them better, you know, and so they have better knowledge. And also, if they're leaders, they can, they can you know, pick up and assimilate some of the things that we do here. And, and you and I have talked about the elements to make a good leader at, at some length, Pam. And, uh, yes, we have. You know, I'm glad that uh, that you're picking up on all that, and I hope you pass them on. You know, so. Yeah. Well, I'm a member of the club, uh, gentlemen. That I don't know everything, and I know there's some people that that are not a member of the club of the people that don't know everything. They know everything. I yeah. am, <laughs> I am, eager and ready to learn if it makes sense, if it's going right. to make me a better person, or help me to fight a cause better. I'm ready to learn. Oh, good. None, none of us here know everything either. I right. got to tell you, for a minute, I didn't know where I was at. Forgot what what, mm-hmm. what announcement we were on. So, <laughs> <laughs> sure, I don't know everything. <laughs> you got to have fun. Make fun of yourself every now and then, too. So. And boy, yeah, my well, heart goes out to that uh, constituent down in Ohio. That would give me a shout out like that and give me some love. That is, that's a humbling experience, and I, I thank him for the positive comment and for listening to your podcast. He's listening right now. We can guarantee you that, and uh, he he will uh, much appreciate the idea that you're you're uh, you know your comment there that you're mm-hmm. appreciative. Yeah, yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, so. Well, I have something that is um, on my mind, and Leroy, you know that we have discussed this. You know, we've got a very important convention, and we are not only electing the congressional district chairs, we're also electing chairs of all of the caucuses, and more importantly, we're electing a chair or leader of the Michigan Democratic Party, at this upcoming convention on February 2nd, 2019 at Cobble Hall. And a question that I want to pose to all of the candidates um, is how important is inclusion and diversity? And based on the answers that they give me, I'm going to present this resolution that you and I worked on for greater inclusion and diversity within the Michigan Democratic Party. And I'm hoping that this right. is their mission, that they do want to do this, 
And if they do, we've laid the groundwork for them to do it with this resolution that we're going to introduce and propose at the convention. Right. Uh, last week, as, as the listeners may remember, uh, 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 Pam and I had discussed prior to last week's show a uh, de- developing a resolution that would allow for greater voice and participation uh, of the uh, diverse caucuses of the Michigan Democratic Party uh, in the mm-hmm. executive committee. And uh, we did develop that resolution. We worked back and forth through the week and developed this resolution. Uh, we believe it to be succinct and void of much hubris. Uh, it covers uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, a couple of things. Uh, and I think Pam's going to read it here for you in a minute, but if you pay close attention, it's going to address uh, giving uh, the rank and file a pathway by and through their caucus chair to the Michigan Executive Board Committee, okay, Michigan Democratic Party Executive Committee, sometimes called Executive Board. Uh, so, and also addresses the notion of superdelegates so that uh, must uh, be clear uh, the National Democratic Party has restricted the superdelegates. These are uh, um, unpledged delegates, superdelegates, if you will, beyond just the congressional districts and the two senators that are essentially members of the Michigan. Uh, Democratic Party Executive Board, but the National Party stripped them of their uh, powers in only the first ballot. In subsequent ballots, or any balloting done after that first one, they have uh, a vote again. And I think you're going to find very interesting what Pam and I come up with uh, to make sure that the popular vote is represented by and through the uh, superdelegate vote, even in second and third ballots. Uh, as we all know, that superdelegate, uh, they, I guess they're 13% of the total delegates, so they swung the, the, the balloting last uh, uh, convention in 2016. And not very many people are happy about that, so we're trying to address it. We'll see if others feel the same way and and uh, promote this and pro- uh, 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 endorse it and vote for it in caucus and at the convention floor. Uh, so we'll see. We're going to do what we can. Uh, Pam, you got more to say on it or just want to read it now? Yes, I would like to uh, read it because it's some interesting content in this resolution, and it's a win-win, I believe, for all of us. And it reads as follows. Resolution, greater inclusion and diversity, whereas inclusion, acceptance, tolerance, and diversity are ultimately good, and whereas Democrats hold these values to be true and beneficial, and whereas, by and large, Democrats hold exclusion to be counterproductive, restrictive, and unacceptable. And whereas the Michigan Democratic Party has held, has long held, 
the above to be true and whereas there is an incongruity with the values held by the Michigan Democratic Party and the makeup of the Michigan Democratic Party Executive Board, and whereas the grassroots rank-and-file members of the Michigan Democratic Party deserve a direct path to the decision-making table of the Michigan Democratic Party Executive Board, and whereas the widely diverse caucuses of the Michigan Democratic Party could indeed provide such a direct path for grassroots members to participate in the making of decisions at the executive board level. And whereas, as we all witnessed at the 2016 National Democratic Convention, in many cases, superdelegates reversed the popular vote of rank-and-file Democrats, whereas such reversal of the democratic will of rank and file, Democrats is deemed to be absolutely unacceptable by most Democrats and, whereas superdelegate votes allocated by the National Democratic Party are held by and individually cast by members of the Michigan Democratic Party Executive Board, and whereas the matters of the makeup of the Michigan Democratic Party Executive Board and superdelegates vote are indeed interlocked and dependent upon one another and whereas acting positively above uh, I'm sorry whereas acting positively upon the below resolves will no doubt make the Michigan Democratic Party have a far less elitist bent and a much more rank and file bent ultimately making the Michigan Democratic Party truly the party of the people who go to work every day for their living. Therefore, in consideration of the above whereases, that the Michigan Democratic Party bylaws be changed at convention to reflect the following resolves. Be it first resolved that the Michigan Democratic Party Executive Committee be expanded and adjusted to accommodate the following resolves and be it further resolved that the respective chair of any and all Michigan Democratic Party certified caucuses be given a seat on the Michigan Democratic Party Executive Committee with full rights and privileges conferred upon them as each of the existing executive board members currently enjoy. And be it finally resolved that any and all Michigan superdelegate votes either cast at the Michigan Democratic Party at all and or cast at the National Democratic Party at all, no longer be cast individually, but rather as a block of one unified vote, as decided by the entire Michigan Democratic Party Executive Committee by a two-thirds majority vote. We pray to our respective gods, that this resolution be carefully and fully considered as well as passed so as to make our party both stronger and more attractive to working men and women who go to work every day to earn their living. And this will be submitted to the party by Pam Gerald and Leroy McKnight. What do you think, Leroy? Pam, you did an amazing job reading that verbatim. And uh, I want to... Thank you for participating 
in the uh, construction of, of all of this. Uh, you know, our conversation was lengthy, lengthy at first. Uh, we came up with some ideas. I re reduced them to writing. We went back and forth a couple times uh, to make sure that this was indeed what we intended it to say. Uh, and the the goal here is, we know there's a lot of people, especially in Michigan, because we live here, but around the nation, and I hope others take this up as well, other states. And um, there's a lot of people that are working for a living every day that feel that neither party, neither party, and this is a bipartisan thing. I mean, this is, yes, it's it's a democratic resolution for a political party, but this is bipartisan. People feel disenfranchised by elitist mm -hmm. leaders in the Democratic and Republican parties. And we aspire, by and through this, not only to stop that elitism and give voice to rank and file through their own respective caucuses, whether you're from the Cannabis Caucus, the Black Caucus, Women's Caucus, Labor the Disability Caucus. Disability you you name it. There's like 14, 13 or 14 of them out there. I mean, you and I talked about it. We don't even know how many there are. But they need a seat at the table. Each and every individual needs to be able to go through their caucus and say to their chair, I would like you to address this issue. I think it's important. And everybody have a, 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 a pathway to have their idea heard through their caucus, not just through their chair or their con district, congressional district chair, and the, the party chair is virtually inaccessible these days. It used to be. They even closed and locked the door now. In 1989, I had a hissy fit over the door being locked, and it hasn't been locked until just recently, and Pam and I had that same discussion uh, the, with yeah, the door I had the knock on the door, and you knocked on the door, and I said, "Wow, where are we at with this? Is this right. the people's house, the Democratic right. people's house?" Right. So our goal here is to make sure that everybody has a pathway, and you don't feel disenfranchised by your group. Yes, there is a formal process to go through your Democratic Party chair, congressional district chair, most of whom are pretty inaccessible. Yeah, you can go to the meetings and try and catch them. But, the, you know, the district caucus or the district uh, 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 congressional district meetings are not widely publicized, so you don't even know where they're at. Uh, and, the, you know, I mean, it's sometimes hard to find the, the county party meetings. Some of the, their clubs, I had one state party chair that didn't want to authorize a club in East Lansing uh, we offered him an opportunity to change his mind, and uh, we got involved. And two weeks after I got involved in a serious way, he was looking for another job. He was resigning to go somewhere else. Um, and, yeah, that was interesting. Uh, so we do stand up to try and get things correct for uh, working men and women. And, well, you know, uh, Leroy and Jeff, as I've been moving around the state campaigning for chair of the Black Caucus, I am just so appalled and really sad by the fact that a lot of people in these very remote areas that have Democratic clubs, they feel left out of the process. 
they feel that they don't have access to the people's Democratic office right there in Lansing, Michigan. They don't feel that if actually what what I'm hearing them say is that the elitist candidates, these are your high-profile candidates that can raise a million dollars, they don't come to their area to see what it is that they need from the party and to make their clubs thrive. And we have got to get over that. What if there is a small-time candidate from a smaller area way up north? Do we put the same dollars for that campaign that we would put for a campaign here in the Ingham, Oakland, Wayne County area? That perception has got to be dealt with a little bit better, and there has to be more inclusion. We have just got to get over that. The Democratic Party was not built, from what I remember, on the elitist attitude. It was built on the working men and women and their concept of having a better life, being able to earn good wages. That's, that's all I have to say about that right now, because I can, I can talk yeah, for the next three hours and just yeah, you're express spot my on. frustration. I'll, I'll give an example. You know, I'm, I'm a member of the uh, Loyal Order of the Moose Lodge, and my lodge is up in the Clare area in, in Harrison, because I used to live up there, and I have a bunch of people, friends up there. Well, I went up there after the election, and one of the ladies there was sitting near me and talking, and, you know, she knows who and what I am, and, you know, a longtime friend, and she said, you know, my vote doesn't count. I mean, before they announced the vote for my county, they already uh, declared the election won, uh, you know, and I, I didn't even feel my vote counted because of that. These people feel so disenfranchised. And let me ask you something, Pam. I know you're moving around this, the whole state campaigning, all these counties, not just the major cities and things, but you're going Monroe County. I'll take that one, for example. I know you were there here a week or so ago. And, and I was you, just in Kent County and got the right. endorsement from, from their executive committee. That's, that's very nice. Let me Thank ask you, you let's, take, let's take Monroe County. You're there as an African-American woman trying to represent them. All of them, not just a few. How many African Americans were actually in that uh, the county caucus meeting? County meeting. There were no African Americans other than myself and another candidate that's running for chair of the party that came to that particular meeting. And right. that was one of the questions that I asked: Are there African Americans down in Monroe County? Yes, they are. They live on the east side of Monroe County. And the question that everyone asks, and I ask the same question, how do you get the African-American community involved in the political process? And one way to do that is to make them feel a part of it, a part of the process, to give them a voice. So I'm going to be doing some things down in Monroe County to show them how to bridge the gap between the African-American voter, the Caucasian-American voter, and then putting that community together so that it's a win-win for everyone. 
That is a Republican county. And I think what I'm going to help put in place with the members in the community is going to turn it to a blue county. Right. That's my goal. We we need to get behind one party that's going to going to be for the workers. Okay? And and it has been perennially the Democratic Party. You know, we as UAW have and under my leadership when I was actually active and the cap coordinator for the region. We endorsed some Republicans that were more friendly for workers in areas uh, that were outlying a little better uh, than and, than some of our Democrats that were running. And we had a doctor, Schwartz, that we, we continued to endorse him for Senate and get him elected, work hard for him. You know, So this isn't just about Democrat and or Republican. This is about workers. In our, from, from our perspective on this show and as a union, we need to begin getting people for workers. Now, yes, we're trying to make sure that the Democratic Party doesn't leave behind the worker. With this That's resolution right. that you and I have de- developed here, this goes a long way to assuring everyday working brother and sister, ladies and gentlemen, even the children of these people, that mm-hmm. they can turn to a party and know that they're going to stick up for them. And if we don't get that message through at this upcoming convention, they might as well hang up their hat. And I can tell you, I'm in direct communication on a daily basis with the vice chair of the House Democratic Committee uh, uh, for their campaign committee. And this is somebody who won their district by 70% and beat beat the owner of a prestigious political consulting firm. I mm-hmm. was directly involved in that campaign and was of capsule at a very high level. We were successful, and we can be successful as a state, but we can't have people in that job that are resume builders or just pandering to the elitists that run this doggone party. we got to have right. people that really work. Right, you took the words right out of my work. mouth. Yes. You took so, the, you took the words right that. out of my yep. mouth. And we can't have people from out of state coming here telling us how to run the elections and how to get the people out because they don't know the community. We need to use, we need to create, educate, and organize which is the Black Caucus CEO strategy that I want to put in place, we need to do that with, with, the, with the constituents in our own state. If you want to have people from other states to come down and assist us, do that. But don't send people from other states to take over our community when you don't know the voters, you don't know the organizers, and you don't know the candidates. Right, right, exactly right. And, they, you know, they're all good and well-meaning people, you know, but we had them from New York and from North Carolina in our own uh, district, uh, uh, congressional district uh, campaign he- headquarters here in, in Lansing. So, uh, you know, they did a nice job. I think they did an excellent job here. But they weren't from here, and they had to catch up. He brought up to speed on all the stuff, uh, and they just didn't know the lay of the land. There are people 
that have the energy to do that right here, and we can hire them to do that, and they'll meld into the community a lot better as after the campaign because they can then help other you know, candidates as they get elected, et cetera. Uh, I don't and want Jeff, to guess what? I wanted to say to Jeff, uh, speaking about what Leroy is saying, a lot of those people got paid, and they got paid very well, and it was an insult to the local people that had agreed to work as a volunteer to know that these out-of-state people were getting paid all of this money but needing their help, and they had agreed to be volunteers, and they were not getting paid. What do you think about that, Jeff? Is that right? No, it's not right. Um, money talks, bottom line. Um, you want, you want to do the same thing at each of the plants of what you're talking about getting people educated, you know, to do the right thing at contract time, election time. But I, I agree, you know, these people in their own communities, they care about what's going on inside your communities. Um, they're willing to do whatever it takes um, to get things done. And hats off to the people who volunteer and shame on the people who just want to make money off, off an election. That's right. my opinion. Right, Jeff. I don't. Uh, 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 before I turn it back to Pam here, I don't want it to be lost that this resolution addresses the fact that if you voted as a Democrat for your candidate and your candidate didn't get elected because the superdelegates reversed him, whether here in any other state, this resolution addresses that because. The caucus chairs are responsible to their constituency, probably more so than the actual chair uh, of the county, congressional district, or the state, because they actually have a constituency among themselves. And if it is that you voted by a plurality vote for your candidate, and you don't feel your candidate was elected because of superdelegate intervention, this resolution by Pam Gerald and myself, Pam Gerald, chair, candidate for chair of the Black Caucus at the Michigan Democratic Convention held February 2nd, this woman cares about you. And this resolution drafted and now presented addresses that and re and reverses it because it will require a two-thirds vote executive committee to make a block of one unified vote of the undedicated, uh, uncommitted delegates that are called superdelegates, mm -hmm. okay? And Pam wants your vote to count. Your vote will count if this gets passed. It will never, it, just the way that the, the dynamics of the way it's written, it will never happen that a superdelegate will vote against the popular will of the, the people in the state of Michigan and if other states take this up. Other states need to take a good hard look at this and put it into their own uh, state party so that their will will always be, their, part, their people's will will always be carried out by the superdelegates. This is wrong. And it shouldn't be. And I'm just telling you that Pam is doing a, a great job of supporting this, helped to draft it, 
you know, crafted and now is out there doing this and doing the right thing. So I wanted to say thank you, Pam, uh, for Pam Gerald, for everything that you're doing for the people, not just in the Black Caucus, but right. reaching across into other counties around right. the state and telling them that you will represent them, whether you're Black Caucus chair or if I mean, everybody is a, a part of the Black Caucus. Anybody can go and vote. That's uh, right. At, at caucus. You want to tell them what rooms they can go to and tell them more, just, you know, wrap up this, tell them, uh, you know, a little bit more about yourself and where they can go vote. Uh, yes, on, I uh, would. And I want to thank you and Jeff again for the opportunity to come on and discuss the resolution for greater inclusion and diversity and to also talk about the election that's coming up. This is probably going to be the biggest uh, spring convention that we've had in the history of the Michigan Democratic Party. Never have we had four or five candidates seeking the chair of the Michigan Democratic Party position, and we've never had more than two candidates running for chair of the Black Caucus. So what I'm asking for uh, precinct delegates, elected officials, voters and constituents in the state of Michigan that are registered with the party to come a little earlier to get in line to get your credentials. They start the registration about 7, or you can go the day before and get your credentials. But to come there, and as soon as you get those credentials, you come right down to room 141. This is where the Black Caucus meeting is going to take place. Be there, be in line, so that when they start the process, you can get your voting ballot. And I do need some people that will be willing to be a volunteer to watch the process. That's what we're really concerned about. In 2017, it was not a good election. It was not a good process. So we want to show that we can do a professional election and elect someone fairly to represent the Black Caucus. And I think I'm the right person at the right time with the right plan to take the Black Caucus to the next level. Vote Pam Gerald for MDP Black Caucus Chair. I can be reached at 248-346-0439, or you can send me an email at votepamforchair at gmail.com or go to facebook.com slash pamforchair, and I'll answer any questions. Okay. Thank you, Pam. Uh, I want to be clear that this show has extended to any and all other caucuses of the Democratic Party and the Republican Party conventions held the same day uh, to any of them as well that they want to come on and discuss their own candidacy. I have personally invited a number of uh, the, the Dem caucuses that I know the chairs of or uh, highly, high, highly placed persons in their caucus. Uh, I have not had any responses yet, uh, but uh, they uh, have been invited and we've not had, like I said, not had any response. Pam is the sole person who thinks enough about the Democrats, the entire Michigan Democratic Party, 
not just black caucus ones, to come here and say what she has to say. I want to thank her for coming on the show last week and this week and giving us uh, an update today about this uh, resolution. I think it's very important. Uh, I think that everybody, I don't care what party you're from or what state you're from, ought to consider the elements that are in this. The Democrat, by the way, the Republican Party does not have superdelegates. They don't lose people because they reverse their vote. Uh, so we need to address it uh, in the Democratic Party. And I think, party. Leroy and Jeff, that people will be impressed with my 30, 60, and 90-day plan for the Black Caucus. It's very realistic, and it's a start to take it to the next level. Hey, Jeff, do you have any questions of Pam? No, I think she's doing a, a really great job. I'm in total support of her and her team. Um, I know she's going to be back in Cobo Hall next party, I believe. Say it again, Jeff. She's going to be back in Detroit next Friday. Or, uh, uh, the the convention is in Detroit, February second at Cobo Hall. You're, you're saying, will event. I be in okay. Detroit next Friday? I'm going to try to make it to the uh, approved UAW event. Your your okay. your next event, Pam. When is your next? Oh, event? my next event. It starts tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I've I've got three events tomorrow. Uh, I have something pretty much every day to do. But my next event that I'm doing is going to be a town hall meeting. January 25th at the Southfield Kappa Center, located at 19800 James Cousins Freeway in Detroit. It's from 6 to 6 to 8 p.m. So this will be our final town hall meeting, uh, just giving people another preview of our 60- and 90-day plan. And we've got a great plan. Right. You want to just, just say what the CEO the words are yet again. Another, you know, having a plan is very important. People, you know, a lot of people are just out there resume building. Pam's got a plan, but tell them, tell the listeners about CEO, and then we'll, uh, we'll uh, bid you adieu for the evening. And we have another report to give. So. Okay, uh, our CEO acronym stands for Create, Educate, and Organize. If we do that from start to finish for this entire year leading up to that most important 2020 presidential election, we can get more of a blue wave than we got before. But we have to have a plan. We did not have a plan for this record turnout midterm. It was a Trump referendum. So let's put Trump aside and come up with our agenda for the Democratic Party. And that's how we're working, going to win. Working men and women. Hey, Jeff, I want to ask you a question while you still have Pat on here. Does she sound like she probably should be the chair of the Democratic Party and not just the caucus chair? I totally agree, Leroy. She should be the chair of the whole party. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of liking that idea myself. Inspiration. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm loving you guys more. That's a heck of a compliment. And you never know what's in the near future. You never That's know. Right. Pam, thank you for coming on the show and for all uh, that you're doing for every member of the, the entire state of Michigan, to have, for them to have a, a viable party 
for them to have affinity with if they work for a living every day and go to work. Somebody that sticks up for them. And uh, I think this resolution that you've worked on here with myself, I think that addresses in a first-step way to make sure that we start to send a message to the people uh, of the state of Michigan that we are uh, people that care about working men and women. So that's um, that's that's about all we have. Thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. And thank uh, you, Bo and Jeff. Again, I want to thank you and Leroy for giving me what I think is going to be my quote of the year. And I'll say it again in the famous words of Jeff Brown: "Great leaders don't create followers; they create other leaders." That's my new quote for the year, and I thank you so much for that. It was a real eye-opener. Thank you. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff's an amazing guy, you know, so. I can tell. Uh, yeah, he is, uh, you know, he's pretty quiet a lot of the time. You know, I have to drag it out of him sometimes, but he's uh, uh, he, he's formidable. He's very well-educated, has a, a enormous database about labor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're fortunate to have him on the show every week. And uh, again, thank you for coming on, and we'll get on with the rest of our show. I'll uh, I'll be talking with you another time soon, uh, okay. so I'll just put you back in listen mode for now. If you want to listen, okay. You can and thank you guys so much. And again, happy New Year to the listeners, and I hope they come out to the convention February second. Okay. Thank you, Pam. Bye. Okay. Thank you, Pam. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. Okay, well, you have Pam back in the listen mode, and Jeff, you and I have some more business to do here. That was a little work. You know, there was a lot of stuff going on around here. That treason thing, uh, request for those laws to be reviewed, and this resolution, this doesn't just happen. You have to back and forth it a little bit uh, with uh, people that are interested in having such a thing, and uh, it takes some time to do this stuff. A lot of writing going on around here, so... Uh, been been pretty busy. We do other things as well. So as Jeff knows. So, what do you think, Jeff? Amazing uh, she's woman. an amazing young lady. Yeah. yeah, and I like that she's young, and she's yeah. a go-getter, and that's very impressive. Um, very impressive. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I from the time I met her, you know, I've been impressed, and you know what. Um, I sometimes in democratic circles introduce myself as the most successful past chair of Ingham County Democratic Party. And that happened for a lot of reasons that I don't need to go into. A uh, few people, they just, you know, most people just say, oh, yeah, right. And then there's some people, you know, right. And, you know, and Jeff knows that, you know, pretty much everything I do is but with a purpose, uh, and that's by design because of the elements that I try to follow. I, you know, do this leadership stuff, um, but and teach it to others actually. But Pam is one of those people that didn't just say, "Oh, uh, she followed me out." She says, "I want to talk to you," and she says, "Tell me why you were so successful." as a past chair of the Democratic Party, or as chair. And I said, well, 
here, let's exchange numbers. It's more than just a, you know, a, a sidewalk discussion. But I'll tell you. And, she, you know, we got on the phone later, and uh, well, it might have been a day or two, and uh, she says again, you know, how did you do that? And I said, it's it's very structured. It doesn't sound like it. A lot of people run by the seat of their pants saying, oh, you got to worry about this and you got to worry about that. And, oh, this here is critical. You know, nothing becomes critical if you follow the disciplines, political science, management, and marketing, and all the elements thereof. It's real simple. And I broke those all down to her, and I said, these are the reasons why. There's some other reasons, and I explained those to her. And those were unique at the time and likely never to be repeated in the future. So probably I am going to be able to say that status or people write about that status about me forever because it's just simply not going to change. I will always be the most successful Ingham County Democratic Party chair. It's just, you know, it's just the way it is. It, this is the structure's different. The, the, the gerrymandering is different. Uh, you know, the, the whole notion that I held two of the three, I held offices in two of the three endorsing authorities, those are things that just probably not, never going to happen again. Okay? They're just not. And, you know, I, I was just blessed to be there at a specific time. And many of the people now elected still benefit by my leadership, and they some of them don't even know it. But Pam listened intently and absorbed it like a sponge. And she is a woman with her own ideas very clearly. She has assimilated some of the things that we discussed into her own uh, pattern of uh, action and now this is this is nice. She's a very nice woman that wants to be good at what she's doing, and she's she's picking it up. And I just hope that she continues to grow new leaders as well, because they become very very powerful people, very powerful. Even if they don't ascend to the highest level, they become powerful in their own right. Once once said to, about me. Oh, he's too powerful. We need to strip him from all of that power he's assembled. So they and now it's, you know, Tim Skubik asked the local uh, political person, so how does it feel not to not to be in charge anymore? I said, how does it feel not to have anybody in charge anymore? He looked at me and he goes, you're right. So working on that. We're people in charge, throwing people, we're training people here got a really good house rep here that's uh, on top of things, understands it. So, uh, And Pam's coming along. There's a lot of good things going on. So, uh, With that, Jeff, what do you think about that treason uh, request for treason legislation, legislation <laughs> review? Uh, we're getting really great reviews from people uh, in what I'm in contact with. Um, it was a good idea, and it needs to happen. We'd like to have everybody help us out on this. Good job, Leroy. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. It's, uh, again, it's not about 
me or Jeff. You know, it's about we. And if we care about our country, and it's more about caring about our country than it is about any single corporation, even though we have one that stands out as being a jerk, okay? This is about our country. But we can't afford to have a trade deficit of a trillion dollars a year. That's a trillion dollars a year leaving our country. Even the chairman of the Fed this past week, and God, you know, I don't know if he's listened to this letter or somebody presented him with it. He said, I'm very concerned about the debt because we tied the trade deficit compounded with interest to the exact number that the national debt is today. And that needs to stop and be reversed. I don't care how you do it. I don't care what's behind your name, RDT. I don't care if you have LBGT behind your name. Stop this and reverse it. Fix it or we're not going to have a country. I've been saying it since 1992. I presented it up and down the East Coast to every Ivy League school in the doggone lane up there in 1995. I had Ph.D. economists come back to me and say, keep beating your drum. Why don't you help me? They said, we can't lose our job. Okay, well, then I'll keep beating my drum. Here I am some 24 years later beating my drum, and we've gone from a $5 trillion debt then to a $21 trillion debt now. So either we get in mass on board with this and get it out there to everybody or we're not going to have a country. It's that damn simple. We can't afford to continue to have a trillion dollars a year leaving our country. That's as plain as I can put it. And this letter, Congress addresses all of that. Okay? So, anything else, Jeff, on that one? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, yep. I heard something earlier today that um, within 30 years, most of the um, jobs are going to be turned into um, technology. Those jobs are yeah. technology. Um, right. And that's a little scary, but we've seen it coming years ago. You know, yeah. But this new right. technology is coming into the plants every year, every model change. So we got to stick up and fight for our jobs, for each other, right? for the sake of the country. Well, that, you know, I mean, it, it, it's, it's important, okay? Uh, you know, we're here about working men and women uh, pretty much every week. Uh, by the way, Je- Jeff, what do you think about uh, the holidays next week? What are you thinking uh, uh, out of the respect for... Work-life balance, not to have a show next week. A lot going yeah, on. Yeah, I think so. I think, yeah. Um, okay. The entire week, and we'll be back the following week. That'll be, just to be clear, that'll be the 27th. We'll come back. Okay, so we'll have a week off here during that holiday. Uh, we hope everybody enjoys that, too. We're not done yet tonight. We just want to cover that we're going to have an abated show next week. Uh, and uh, it seems like we're kind of becoming the, I don't know, I don't want to go out there on that limb yet, but uh, 
we we've been here for a while. Other people have been here for a while too on other shows. So uh, we you know we're pretty consistent here lately, and uh, we intend to continue to be that. So uh, the uh, the lawsuit. Uh, let's move on to the next thing, Jeff. The lawsuit at uh, the Federal District Court in Northeast Ohio seems to be related in some measure to what's going on at 2209 Fort Wayne Assembly. And the mm-hmm. chairperson at Fort Wayne Assembly came out uh, with a real nice uh, uh, letter. I think uh, pretty much everybody's got that in our inner circle, and they've seen it online a, a, a number of places. And uh want to go over that a little bit tonight because that person did a real nice job of uh, uh, putting the uh, thoughts together on on uh, what happened that caused this, seemingly caused this crisis. Uh, but they're interlocked, and it appears as though, as I understand it, Jeff, that the... Uh, Corporation on August 21st asked uh, or sent a request, the local parties did send a request to the international for, and this is management and the union, cosign, uh, for a request until, for temporaries until February 28, 2019. And that request was granted until November 30, 2018. They had to get them out of the plant. Yet the plant kept them. They kept them working past November 30. Now that triggered some other things in Appendix A. I get our document. Was it Document 141? And uh, the uh, that Appendix A is a little different. So Document 141, and it says if they're held beyond their authorized temporary authorization for them, then they're to be given an opportunity to be seniority employees. Okay? So as a uh, a temporary that worked beyond at FWA, the Fort Wayne Assembly, a temporary that worked beyond November 30, may have the opportunity, according to this letter by Rich Letourneau, okay, uh, that Latoro, I guess it is, uh, and I'm saying it wrong now myself, I'm trying to read his name through his signature here, but and I never did get it right to start with, but they may have an opportunity, those temporaries kept after November 30, to actually become seniority employees, okay, and that's good news for them because then they have an opportunity to get sub and have an, if they ever get reduced, uh, they get a chance to have uh, uh, t- uh, ch- tester seniority in a transfer move, okay? So that puts them as a seniority employee with all the rights afforded, you know, a, a full seniority employee, including if they get laid off, sub benefit. And this uh, again, the temporary 
uh, ability to test their seniority and a transfer. So now, as you think about that, and the international has stopped the authority for temporaries on November 30th, 2018, at Fort Wayne Assembly. Okay, and this lawsuit pops up on January 2nd, 2019, complaining in Lordstown about temporaries being continued. So the question starts to become, and we don't know the answer, has the International set out a corporate-wide letter ending temporaries on November 30, 2018, or not? We don't know. Okay? And if they did, this lawsuit dealing with this matter of subpay and ability to test your seniority and transfer by item number two back in December 16th of 2018, as you might recall, did they actually get their act together and try to put something out there in a lawsuit, form of a lawsuit, to help these temporaries so that they just don't go to the street with no uh, support, no safety net. Not in, you know, they get a little unemployment, but no subpay, and they can't test the, their seniority and transfer. If this lawsuit, and we don't know the outcome of it yet, if this lawsuit winds up being that the temporaries after a certain date, we don't know what date that might be, were supposed to be given seniority status, then that changes the picture for a whole lot of families in Lordstown. And we don't know. But I want to give some hope out there that they're doing the right thing at the International UAW. And while we may not like a few of those leaders, for a lot of reasons, we belong to this union, each and every one of us that are a UAW member. Ford, FCA, John Deere, Caterpillar, General Motors, and every other IPS and independent parts supplier and technical office and professional services tops local union out there is a member of the UAW and the international UAW. And we need to begin acting like it. We're going into some tough times right now. It's not just because of the contract. Look at that treason letter I wrote. Our country's in trouble. And if we don't stick together, we're going to be in trouble. We need to carve and claw back as much as we possibly can from the arrogant, greedy leaders of these corporations who have used the global tax imbalance to their advantage on unwitting members of the United States who didn't even know that the rest of the world went to a point of sale cost of government to collect their tax versus 
our payroll withholding tax point of uh, cost of government, giving the rest of the world a 32% advantage to dump their products in our country, thus a trillion-dollar leak in our bu uh, bucket to the rest of the world in a trade deficit every year. We're in trouble, folks. And we better start thinking about whether we're going to be a union or not. Because we better wrap our head around that we're a union. Organized labor is the only answer to organized greed. You heard that earlier in the quote. God rest him. He's, he's still alive. He's 90. 90 years old said that some time ago. The only answer to corporate greed is organized labor. Okay. We better start figuring out real quick who and what we are. We're a union. And who and what we are politically. And we need to tune up these damn parties and tell them no uncertain terms. If you don't support workers who work for a living every day, we're going to get rid of your ass. First thing we need to do is support that letter I wrote regarding treason. And for those people in Michigan, when you go, if you're a Democrat, and even if you're you know, on the edge of being a Democrat, start thinking about Democrat being on your side. Because when we go down there to that convention this time, we're going to raise all belly hell, all belly hell about workers not being represented and elitists running this show. That's our message from now till then. And by God, they better get it. I know, I'm telling you, I've got people out there listening, and you know, I'm talking every day to people in high places, and they get it. They get it, and then they take it around, you know, and it's a little chip here and a chip there, and the brick starts to crumble. Pretty soon, we start being more important to them people. So, all right, getting back to Rich Latouro's Le, Le, letter that he wrote. Thank you for doing that, brother. You're chairman there, the shop chairman of that uh, 20. 209. You've done a nice job with this, explaining it. It's available uh, on the internet widely now, I believe. Uh, and he put out a cell number and his, and his plant number uh, for you to give a call and say, you know, anything you want. It's on that letter. I'm not going to repeat it here because we don't want that liability. But uh, you know, it's it's he's posted it publicly and. We think he's doing the right thing. He has written grievances on behalf of both sides of this issue. Grievances for the people he believes should have attained seniority and grievances for those people he believes should have come into the plant, some uh, 168 of them, uh, that, that are supposed oh, these are the ones that are supposed to be considered uh, full-time seniority employees now. Uh, and for people uh, that uh, they're supposed to be coming in. So nobody knows how many people they're going to need. They're talking about 500, but uh, you know, the corporation sets that. He's doing a good job there. President over Lordstown, David Green's doing a good job. 
We got some other people out there doing really good, 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 good work for us right now at the local union level. And we're still tentative on this uh, vice president. Okay, he seems to be doing an okay job. Uh, We'll see. We'll see. At least he's out there doing something. And I know he's in direct communication with both these men. Leaders. These are leaders, folks. True leaders. All right? So remember that. Some of these people are really good, caring union leaders. And some of them, you know, we're not too happy with. But we have to become better at being members of this union. Okay. Well, what's our next thing here, Jeff? Um, That kind of covered the lawsuit. Letter. Do you have any comments on either one of those? Don, you did real good. Both letters are really good. I had to talk to him. We need to support him. We talked about um, before when we were doing our Constitution series that once the uh, part-timers reach a certain time, they should become full-time. You know, so we're even violating our constitution with that. Right. Um, I don't know. We'll we'll so. get back into that. We're not done with that yet. You know, I mean, there's just so much other stuff going on. I mean, look, we're oh, we're yeah. you know, 85 minutes right now. So, uh, you know, we had to wrap this up pretty soon, but uh, you know, next couple minutes actually. But uh, uh, having said that, you know, we'll get back to that. Yeah, you did. You're doing a nice job. You got a lot of good feedback from it too, you know. So, uh, and uh, you know, we hope people find value in what we're bringing to your attention here, because you know, our unions have been a little uh, backward in their representation, and our politicians have definitely been a whole lot backward in our their representation, and we're trying to fix that. Okay, we're trying to demonstrate leadership and fix it and make make the whole thing better. We're trying here on this show as we discuss things. Jeff and I, all the other reporters out there, nation and worldwide, in communication many times throughout the week. We have people traveling all over the United States talking to small groups try and carry the message out there and get this whole damn mess reversed. We do it it perfectly. Just like Pam Gerald, just like Pam Gerald, Gerald, I mean, she does it for free. catch that in a second. Um, thank you, though. Uh, uh, Jeff, do you want to tell them about the candlelight vigil and remind them uh, about this and why it's important? Yeah, let me see if I can get it here, Leroy. Um, the, let me find it. I do have it here somewhere. Yeah, take your time. Yeah, just 
I got it. Okay, um, Candlelight Vigil is going to be held uh, January, Friday, January 18th at 4.30 p.m. um, in Detroit. Um, They want you to dress warmly, Regarding our membership, it's about the GM closing of other plants. Um, the UAW Candlelight Vigil on Friday, January 18th at Park Plaza in the Flavor Monument, downtown Detroit. Anybody or everybody, show up there and support our GM brothers and sisters. Um, what is happening is unacceptable. Um, it's just we hope to see you there. Please stop by. I plan on being there. Um, you can park at Solidarity House and take a bus, like I said earlier in the show, to Hart Plaza. And you can take the same bus right back. Just kind of, you can. Buses will be taking the event at 4 p.m., and returning buses begin at 6 p.m. So just volunteer a couple hours and hope we see you out there. So well good effort. And I'm sure there could be some press there because of the all show happening as well. Just half a block away. That's what it's about, Leroy. Right. It's very important. This is uh, Friday the 18th. Uh, you can park at Solidarity House or park near there and catch a bus or down to the event at Hard Plaza. And then they return at 6. The event starts at 4.30, okay, and they call it a candlelight vigil, so sometime around 5.20-ish, it's going to be dark enough to see candles around. So uh, before it's over, you'll you'll be able to see real nice candles and probably be some pretty good photo opportunities there for some of those folks that are so de- inclined. This is going to be a nice, peaceful event organized by our union, and whether we're union or okay, we should think about going there, and if we are union, we better start thinking that we are and get our butts down there and try and support this. If you're close or anywhere near close in the area, please, please support this event by, okay, that's what we are in mass, okay, organized labor is the only thing that is able to take on organized corporate greed, okay? So I got another thing that, that came in that I uh, discussed earlier, and I didn't put it on the list, but I'm going to talk about it a little bit. Uh, that that woman that's supposed to be in charge of the corporation that's doing a lot of this, uh, and she's, you know, name of Mary. I think it's Barra, yeah. She's been disingenuous. That's another way of saying she lied. Or she's just simply a prevaricator because she's supposed to be a high-class person. Prevaricator's word for a high-class liar. What she said was that that, uh, Tesla has no interest in any plant that is UAW represented. Paraphrasing what she said, but that's, that's what she said. Unfortunately, she also said that they've 
been over there and reviewed it. So they did show some interest in it. Whether or not they acted on it is another thing, but they did show interest in it. She said they didn't. So, and she demeaned the UAW by saying nobody wants anything with UAW-represented people. And she said they'd never buy a, or have any interest in a UAW-represented facility. The building that they're in in California, Tesla builds his vehicle there, vehicles, was once a UAW-represented facility. So there's another one of those things that are disingenuous or lies or just prevarications. Prevaricators do that. So we're going to just call you out there, uh, B, and say that you're just kind of out there and wrong again, and you should have your facts correct. We do try to fact-check things here on the show. We're not perfect, and when we're incorrect, we would put something out there to make sure that everybody understood that we were incorrect. And we do that from time to time. So um, she also said that she's from a labor family, and she is. That's not a lie. And she said she cares about working men and women and moms that, that you know, work and they care their kids and everybody that has all this. But at the same time, she says she believes in two classes. The haves and the have-nots. We need a middle class in our country, a strong middle class that has access and controls a lot of wealth so that it, the broadness of that wealth and the speed of that wealth that moved through the country can be measured in something called the velocity of money. And since 2000, the velocity of money has been going down on a 45-degree angle. My guess is that it's going down more like at about a 60-degree angle right now with the government shutdown due to the current president, 46 minus 1. And that is just sucking money out of the economy. The I'm told by reputable source that the sales, at least in the Youngstown area, are down for the same period year over year. Cars, vehicles of all kinds in that area are down by 50%. Imagine this is taking its toll nationwide as well. We want to have a viable corporation. We support a viable corporation but we also support a fair wage for a fair day's work. And the idea that you're working people to the safety limit of their human being ability is inhuman. And you need to slow that roll down as well. We were talking earlier online and in person about the number of hours it takes to build a car. And those were around 30 when I started, about 30 hours to build a car. And then in, 
you know, recently got into the low 20s, 24, I think somebody threw out there. That that was in the late to early 80s. And then I saw some numbers in 08. Uh, the best plan in the world was 14-something. Number two was Oshawa, Canada, at 15. And there's a second plant at the time that was in Oshawa that was 15 and change. So they had the number two and three in the world, folks, not just in North America, in the world, efficiency of labor building vehicles. So uh, we haven't seen any numbers lately. We imagine that those numbers are so low, that's, that's good for the corporation and bad for us because our workers are working unsafely to get these jobs done. In many, many cases, accidents are up. We know that. So what we need to do is get more money for the middle class that starts with our workers, and we need to get these jobs toned down a little bit. I hear everybody. The jobs are just too tight. We can't get it done. We can't even wipe the sweat off our brows in some instances. The, their eyes are burning because they can't get to the sweat coming down into their eye. The job is that tight, and that's wrong. Fair day's work, fair day's pay. Okay? When we get to that, everybody be happy. Until then, we're going to have some strife. Okay? A lot of it. A whole lot of it. And remember, my background is also in politics. So we're going to turn up the screws. And we're doing it. And the people out there listening are going to do it. My own congressional representative had their ceremonial swearing in today. So let's see how this goes. See who wins. Because I think the masses of people that are going to send these letters in are going to far outstrip and shine more than any few corporations can. Because we vote. And they don't. Okay? They might have the money, but we vote. And we're going to start voting people in that aren't going to be on their side. Either you change or you'll be gone. It's that simple. Be worker-friendly, representatives and senators and presidents. Be worker-friendly or be gone. It's that simple. Okay, that's all i got to say. Jeff, you got anything to wrap up with? I agree. We have to workers' families come first. Not only in this country, but all around the world. Right? Um, it's a shame that the uh, most of the Republican Party wants to go backwards 50 years. Um, so I challenge them for a moment. Um, let's do that. Go back to the days of Eisenhower when the corporate tax rate was over 70%. That's how we got our roads, our schools built 
And our roads and schools now, 50 years later, are in dire straits. They need to be rebuilt, replaced. Um, I think that might be the ticket, but nobody's going to support that. It's my thought. Well, what's that thing say? You know, I'm 60, and I I know a lot of people haven't lived in a world where the corporate America paid their fair share in taxes. And I don't know if it has to be 70, but it needs to be fair. And in that yeah. time, we built, like you said, we built roads, we built new schools. Uh, there was something else on that meme that was out. And the last thing was, Hell, we went to the moon. Yeah. Okay. Went to the moon. And, you know, I I didn't commit that meme to memory, but, you know, it's, it says a lot. You know, we need to get back mm-hmm. to that, Jeff. 100% right. Yep. You know, I know you're quoting from that yourself. So it's a very, very powerful meme. So uh, with that, uh, we hope you found value in the show. If you did, just please tell one more person, and the membership listenership is growing all the time. Uh, We really appreciate it. I know uh, I was busy all afternoon and didn't get it posted out to everybody, but we'll put a reminder out in a couple days so that if you didn't catch it, we'll uh, give you the opportunity to listen. Uh, The uh, folks around the world that listen, thank you very much. Thanks to our friends in Mexico and Canada listening. Canada, you know, we're with you more than you might imagine. Uh, Also, to every member of the United States, citizen of the United States, thank you for listening. Every union and non-union person, thank you for listening. Every UAW member that listened to this show, thank you from the bottom of our heart. We hope you Step up and tell your you personally send that letter in that treason letter. It's on the page. It's on the left sidebar now with things that caused this, and that's the Powell memorandum, the Warren memo, and now this whole notion of the request for uh, review of the treason. But there's more that goes into that letter. Those of you that have actually read it, it talks about the trade imbalances in the world that we're not even aware of because we're unwitting. We didn't change here. They changed everywhere else or emerged as an economy and went into the sales tax versus payroll withholding, point of manufacture versus point of sale. Very important distinction. Thank you for listening. We hope you encourage your family to send those letters in. It's important. Can't say enough about it. With that said, Jeff, have a good night, safe week, and uh, a good holiday weekend coming up. We'll be talking to you between now and then. We'll be back in two weeks. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Jeff, say good night, buddy. Good night, people.